Hi, I'm Tally. Hi, I'm Tony. And we're book lovers. Who are lazy? Hi everyone, our horror recommendations list ran a little long so we're going to split into two parts, so enjoy part one. Hi! <laughs> Hello everyone. Hello and welcome to us being in the same room. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it's gonna. We've got a different mic, and we're actually in the same room. So hopefully, the sound quality issues of the previous posts are in the past. Or uh, not. Slash, this could be worse. <laughs> we're gonna find out. <laughs> it is what it is. I did ask Natalie, "Where do I look?" And she was like, "That's a strange question." I was like, "I don't want to look at you." <laughs> you can look at the. I just observe. Your walls. I should have put the TV on on mute and you could have just watched the TV. Oh no, because then I would have just... <laughs> yeah, you would have just watched just just the Gormlessly watching the TV. Because <laughs> it would have had subtitles as well, so you definitely would have just started watching it. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the world of when this comes out, it's spooky season. Now, it's spooky season now. It's like the second day of third day. I mean... Spe- when did that happen? Spooky season starts at the beginning of September. I just having a breakdown about the fact it's the third of October. Yeah, like the year's almost over. Yeah. And it feels like the year hasn't started yet. I felt like it wasn't October and I was like, Oh, we're in just into October and then we're like three days in. Ah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> Time has no meaning since two thousand and twenty. Oh no, this is just twenty twenty part two. Yeah. We're about to enter twenty twenty part three. Yes, any birthdays you have during this time does not count. Yeah, I kept forgetting how old I was doesn't count like genuinely forgetting how old I was it's because it doesn't count anymore no it doesn't count <laughs> I have quite an easy one because I just I know my son's age and I had 30 to it that was quite so that's useful I've done that on purpose yeah it was, <laughs> it was choreographed and planned I'll never forget about how old I am again because I'll always know how old he is <laughs> I kind of know whenever I see people post like on um your Facebook about Isaac's birthday I'm like oh, birthday's around now <laughs> it's already happened yeah <laughs> like oh dang <laughs> oh dear right so today i am going to give you and perhaps tony <laughs> some yep. horror recommendations yeah <laughs> so we'll see i started writing a little list i was going to aim for about 10 and um i didn't stop writing there is more than 10 it's a double-sided a5 piece of paper mm-hmm. yeah but I've put them into little little groups. Alright. For ease. Okay. Little bookmarks, if you will. Little <laughs> <laughs> <No> chapters. <laughs> uh, so. Alright. You can... It can help you pick which one to read, basically. So, here we go. Some of these you've... I was going to say you might have read. I don't know, you might have read them. I, I might have. I might Some have. of them you've definitely Most... heard of, at least. Yeah. So we'll start with some classics. So my favourite classic, slash the only one that doesn't make me hate my life. Right. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Oh, I have read that one. Yes, I have. And I actually liked it. It's one of my favourite, well, it's like my favourite classic. I yeah. tend not to like classics, so. <laughs> that one, I always, because like a lot of, when you read Victorian like horror or 
it's not scary. It's scary. Yeah. What was scary to them at the time? But since like obviously horror movies took off, yeah, the bar has changed slightly. So I never that one really got like under my skin. It was like yeah. under your skin, creepy. Yeah, and like it's something that's yeah, as you said, it's like still scary now. Really, the concept of it. So it's uh, set in Victorian England, London probably, and it's a young man who has just kind of come into society. Mm-hmm. He's kind of new to society and an <clears throat> artist is kind of the one that introduces him to society. He kind of wants to keep Dorian as his like a little pet almost. And then he's got his best friend. And the best friend's the narrator, isn't it? It's from Lord Henry's point of view. And then Basil Hallward is his friend who is the painter. Oh, okay. Basil's quite into the whole... Um, what's the term I'm looking for? Debauchery. Yes, that's the term <laughs> I was looking for. He's very much into like opium, party, like sex. The kind of house <laughs> parties they actually did have in the Victorian times, which yeah. was like a massive sleepover where everyone got off their faces on various oh, big drugs. In every way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they all just went home and pretended to be respectable after. Yeah. Basil paints a picture of Dorian Gray and that happens in the very first chapter. That's that's what it is. And he captures how beautiful and innocent Dorian Gray looks. And then as Dorian is corrupted by society or like this underground part of society, he never changes, but his portrait reflects... The sins. And yeah. They, they say like sins, but you can it's assume it's sin. stuff like he is obviously sleeping with prostitutes yeah so like there's lots of implications that obviously that's reflected in the way that he does yeah other sins and like and obviously he sleeps with any gender which in Mm. those days was sinful even though everyone was (laughs) this is all implied oh yeah in the film it's not implied (laughs) yeah yeah no in the actual novel it's very much implied because i don't think oscar wilde was outed at that point no well there wasn't this the book that was the reason he got arrested i think i don't know that history well enough to say he actually went to jail for being homosexual homosexual yes they didn't prove i thought he was one of the ones that got chemically castrated oh i don't know about that maybe I can't remember what happened to him, actually. He wrote about sex. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But, yeah, and so he doesn't age either. So, like, some time passes and, like, Lord Henry, who is obviously the narrator of it, it's been years. And He goes to his house. I think if I remember correctly, Dorian is in a relationship with Lord Henry's daughter at some point or something like that. But, yeah, like, Dorian doesn't age at all. But... Mm. He should age. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's like very atmospheric and creepy. It is actually really creepy. Yeah, just like the description of him getting more... But the thing is, like, he might be beautiful on the outside, but you start to get this sense of, like, that he is rotten. Mm-hmm. And, like, this this feeling on her knees of, like, this... He is rotten and something into, like, evil... Yeah. But obviously beautiful and angelic like he on the outside. so innocent on the outside. Yeah. Which is how he manages. Like, I think he becomes a corrupter of a lot of people. But then he gets, like, a name for himself. And mm. that's why Lord Henry ends up his house and finds the painting. I think that... Um, I, I can't remember if it's just a scene in the film 
uh, if it happens in the book as well, because sometimes I get a bit confused in my head. Because when you picture the book, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Sometimes, but I think there's like a thing where he, perhaps, uh, a lot of like the wealthy wives get interested in him. Yeah. And like, perhaps he gets involved in like some wives and stuff. I can't I remember. I thought he went out, because he, like him and... Basil and all them, they go off the rails and Lord Henry, like, stops being friends with all of them. Yeah, he's like, this is, I'm, yeah. I'm done with this. Yeah, and, like, because Lord Henry's got kids and stuff, he's just like, no. Yeah, and I isn't. think something happens... He's that like, makes, there's a line. There's something that happens that makes him go to yeah. Dorian's house and be like, this is too far. Yeah, I, I do feel like it might be to do with his daughter, I think, because Dorian mm. starts dating his daughter and he wants to go there and be like, no, it's not okay. Courting. Courting, sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he like wants to maintain his daughter's innocence or whatever. Yeah, probably. But yeah, good book. Even like the film. I was gonna say the recent film. It's not recent, is it? But the I film that came out actually. maybe like ten years ago. It's really really good. Yeah, I know. I haven't seen it, but um, yeah, just what I was picturing in my head was just icky. Dorian's like, played by Ben Barnes, I think. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I have to look that up. I've not watched it for a while, but yeah. I remember the guy playing Dorian was hot, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I actually find Oscar Wilde is one of those classic authors that actually is quite readable in general. So it's like, I think the reason I loved this one so much, I remember when I finished it, and the first kind of feedback I had to say about it was, it's like poetry, mm. but in novel form. It is a really beautiful <clears throat> to read. It's the only one of his I've read. The opening, the opening scene where Dorian's being painted, oh. is just you can the, read that over the light over. and the curtains and the way that's all described is just yeah, really nice. I read that in Europe when I was on like a tour bus full of people making noise, and I was uh, still, and that's why I knew it was it. good because I was very like in the world, even though there was all this noise and chaos yeah, around to me. Get distracted, yeah, but you weren't distracted. No. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually a book that I reread quite often. I just love the vibes of it. I haven't reread it actually, mm. but I would. I listened to an audiobook as well. Of Ugh, it. I think it would make my skin I think crawl. This as year, an and the narrator was really good. I can't remember who it was though. Yeah, it's just the description of the painting is so icky. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. I've only seen the film once, but from what I remember, I recommend it as a good adaptation. So the second, so some of these will actually work into other little sections as well, okay. but obviously I didn't want to repeat any of them. The second one is The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I have not read that. It's, have you seen the show? No, I think my friend has made me watch bits of it, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure because I also watch a lot of other stuff with him. Yeah, the <laughs> show is really, really good. So the book, it's not scary, it's atmospheric. The creepy part about it is you don't know if the main character is sane or not. So it's like a tension kind of thing. Mm, yeah. 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 So I wouldn't outright say, but again, it's like you said, the classics aren't they, they often do a scary kind of, now. Yeah. A lot of their stuff is like taking the ordinary and making it other. Which is very much what a Haunted mm. Hill House is like. So you follow... <laughs> the main character whose name I cannot remember, I think, oh, Eleanor, I think she's called, because the TV show uses all their names as well. I think she's called Eleanor. There's a scientist, and he wants to prove the existence of ghosts. 
So he uh, rents out this the hill house, which is known to be haunted. Right. And he invites people who have had some sort of paranormal experience in their life. So we follow Eleanor, who is one of the people that gets invited. And she goes to the house. They're meant to be there for a week, I think. And um, when they get there, it's all very creepy. And like the housekeepers refuse to stay in the house. Um, so they mm. arrive, make dinner and leave and things like that. And, you know, a lot of happenings happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because it's from Eleanor's point of view and you start to realise that she is not perhaps mentally stable. Not a reliable narrator. <laughs> yeah, so you, then you're not sure whether it is paranormal experiences in the house or if it's yeah her that's what is this another makes it creepy. victorian gothic yeah so they were this is when like psychology as a science first began mm. so th- that's what their fascination was with the psyche and that's why a lot of these books implies either madness or it's supernatural yeah i mean because they had a fascination with death as well oh, yeah. so there was like a fascination in this new science like, it was very much among the rich as well. Mm-hmm. And then also this fascination with death as, as a culture. Yeah. Oh, like, they used to take photos of mm. the dead. They used to dress them up yeah. like they were alive and take photos, yeah. which is just... Yeah your, death, yeah, your death cast or death photo or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And you used to actually it. have a cast of your, yeah. your face as well done as well, didn't you? Like a little bust. Like, yeah, and then yeah. to cover the mirrors because they believe souls would get trapped in the mirrors. Yeah. And um, they're very, very superstitious and very fascinated by death. They yeah. studied a lot. Um, I can't remember the reasons why, but they, as a culture in the 1800s, especially the rich, fascinated by death. I guess there was not much else for them to care about. Yeah, it was the life of like luxury. Yeah, what then. do you do if you don't have to struggle? In the 1700s and 1800s, like, yeah, absolute luxury and just the richest of the rich. Yeah. With nothing better to do with their time. Oh, so I found out... Mm. It's going to be our first tangent. I found out <laughs> that... Um, about, you know, when they say, like, oh, showing your ankles was mm-hmm. naughty back then. It wasn't that showing your ankles was naughty. It was. Oh, that, I saw that TikTok. Yeah. It has slightly I wonder if it's it. true or not. Like, that they lifted their skirts up so they didn't get muddy skirts. Is that the one you saw as well? Yeah, but the whole... And I want to know if that's true. I need to look it up. Basically, it was, but she said it was all about prostitutes, and it wasn't. No. It, it, the I, one, I just assume, like, people who were poor couldn't yeah, afford to get their skirts that, dirty. That TikTok says it's all about prostitutes. Oh, with, and that's yeah, th- no, that, like, prostitutes assumed. would wear shorter skirts or lift their skirts up so that they could wear skirts for, like, more days. Yeah, but that would have been everyone that's That would have been everyone yeah. poor. So the, the way she talked about it was just prostitutes. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, that would have been all poor women. Yeah, I, I read it yeah. as all poor women, yeah. No, that TikToker, I mean, she was American, and she made it sound it was just prostitutes. Yeah, but, but people like to villainize prostitutes all the time, so... And that doesn't shock me. There was rampant prostitution in London at the time because of the opium dens and the brothels and the people were very, very poor and women weren't allowed to work. Like, they couldn't go... In, I don't think women were allowed to work in the factories And then. if it got to a certain age and they weren't married, they were not going to get married. Well, they might not have been the eligible men as well. Yeah. <laughs> there was lots of wars going on. Yeah, and obviously, you know, like... And this is an issue that still happens today, that oh, people, yeah. like, sex work is, is, it's legitimate work. It's one of the oldest, you know, jobs. 
effectively. I, just like, don't, I don't understand why the women get villainized and not yeah, the men exactly. who pay for it. Because like, yeah. if, you, if you can make a living off of that, that's because someone's willing to pay for it. I know, I always say that. I'm like, oh, you know, even with like OnlyFans and stuff, when people are like, oh, those people that are on there have no morals or whatever and i'm I, like what the people that are paying them each month like yeah <laughs> who are you blaming is honestly that? Like, i always say there's like, nothing wrong with taking control of like if if people if you're comfortable with it and people are willing to, to pay for photos or videos of you why not i always say if i was more like outgoing and confident in i, I would like probably not mind I no, knew, not I knew for sure my family could never get Yeah, it. that's the problem with things like that. But yeah. definitely, there's nothing wrong with it. It's because people want... They, they want free porn, and they're happy to use websites where the women there are often coerced, drugged, or forced into it. Yep. Right, brother, you know. They don't feel comfortable paying a woman who dollar. is making her own content. Mm -hmm. and, had, and she has the choice to block you from viewing it or whatever. Not just that, she's in control of it. Yeah. That, and that's the thing, the problem that people have is that the women on OnlyFans are in control of that content. Yeah, and that is a big thing. It's, it's a woman owning her sexuality. There's not some sleazy producer making a coercing big part of it yeah. or making all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And like okay. a lot of the porn you see on like Pornhub and stuff, it's a lot of it, you know the ones that are like, oh, home movies, they are just stolen. They're mm -hmm. not, you know... You don't have the consent born. of the women yeah. in it, and that is actually illegal. Also, these women can't get it taken down. No, it's there's so no recourse. No, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, it's horrible. So but yeah, a, that's a tangent. But yeah, <laughs> gotcha. So haunting of Hill House. <laughs> yeah, no prostitutes in it, as far as I remember. No, that's that's not relevant. But it was relevant yeah. to us. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, actually, that was the other thing I was going to say. Yeah. So almost in relation to like hill house and like you were saying about you know like men that everyone was really into like yes yeah, psychology, psychology and yeah stuff. or i i easily could have put on this and i did consider charlotte by uh rebecca de maurier no um sorry rebecca by charlotte de maurier is it charlotte that's a good one i have not definitely heard recommend more of that. that yeah don't watch the film because it's got army hammer in it who's come out that he asked women if he could eat them or something like he wanted to oh, cannibalize okay. people yeah not him. And Yellow Wallpaper. Oh, oh yeah. no, she's a Charlotte. The Yellow Wallpaper is Charlotte, so I don't know. It's Daphne de Maurier. Daphne de Maurier. I got there. <laughs> Rebecca by Daphne de Maurier. <laughs> and Yellow Wallpaper by... Don't ask me. Charlotte something. Got Yellow there. Wallpaper is good yeah. as well. That's but another I was one. Like, it's just like, it is good. Read it. It's only about 16 pages, which is why I didn't mention it, because I feel like it's, mm. it's too small, really, to recommend. But I do recommend it. It was very, because um, it's about that whole thing of like female hysteria mm. they had in the 1800s, which was like, actually, no, this is a neglected woman who's got postpartum, who's been locked in a room. Yeah, like, so their way of dealing with postpartum, obviously they didn't have a word for it, was that she had to be locked in a room alone. Yeah. That's helpful for people. Yeah. Your mental health is not... I mean, we all know, thanks to lockdown, your mental health is not going to be good. <laughs> when you're locked in a room. Yeah, exactly. And she starts uh, the yellow wallpaper. She starts believing it's things, coming to yeah. life. Although there's, she starts seeing that there's a woman trapped trapped in, in the it. wallpaper, yeah. which is obviously very obvious symbolism. But yeah, it's yeah. quite well done. Yeah, and it was actually written as a. It was a true story. It was a, the woman that wrote it. Wrote it based on her experience. Yeah. Well, the experience of many women. 
Yeah, yeah. Because she's lucky she didn't get carted off to an institution. Yeah. Anyway. Like Zelda Fitzgerald, <laughs> which I mentioned before. Um, and the last one, it's not actually a classic, but it has classic vibes. Okay. Mexican Gothic by Silvia Marino Garcia. Oh, yeah, that's one that's on my to do. It's set in the 50s. Yeah. And it's written with gothic vibes. Yeah. Like, um, Victorian gothic vibes, definitely, like set in the 50s so so good mm. so that's about a lady whose name i cannot remember her cousin has recently or within the last year got married and when she got married she moved in with her new husband into like this house in the middle of nowhere and she starts writing kind of cryptic letters to our main protagonist and yeah. her father and so her father asked her to go and check up on her cousin and she's like, yeah, that's fine. She's very, like, you know, she's all about society. She's all about being seen yeah. by the right people. She has, a different, she has a different man on her arm every night because she doesn't want to settle down. She wants to go to university. Okay, she's a modern gal. Yeah, she definitely is. She smokes, you know. Cheeky. Yeah. And her dad's like, no, I need you to get married and sort your life out. So he basically says to her, if you go check up on your cousin, I will pay for that university course you want to do or whatever so she's like okay yeah sure and so her the the letter that her cousin sent is very much like i'm dying they're, they're trying to kill me something like that i think i'm being poisoned or something and she's it's quite obvious she's losing her mind yeah so she goes there they're in the middle of nowhere like she can't really the nearest town is very far away and she would need someone there to drive her to the town um, and she just kind of investigates. Oh, I I'm not going to say anything else. Interesting. It was good. The characters were very well written. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Like that. Very, very good. Very creepy. It's very much in the style of like a lot of Victorian gothic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah, that's why I thought it fit quite nicely mm. in that section, even though it's technically not a classic. But it has those vibes. Get away with the Yeah. <laughs> so. Moving swiftly on to the three books I picked for good atmosphere. Good right. horror atmosphere. As I said, some of them could definitely... There's crossover, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is Catherine House by Elizabeth Th Thomas. Yes. Which I read last year and is literally one of my favourite books now. Mm -hmm. And it's one of... So this is one of those books that is kind of considered plotless. Okay. It's very much the atmosphere of it. Yeah. It's about, like, what you add to it. Yeah, so the story follows a girl who gets accepted into this very prestigious university or college. It's this college that is very secretive. Mm. Like, dark academia vibes. Yeah. Serious dark academia vibes. No one really knows anything about it. You don't... No one knows what the criteria is to get accepted, Okay. But if you get accepted, you don't pay tuition and you live there solidly for three years. For free. Okay. Um, but you're not allowed any technology, any contact with the outside world when you go there. Right. So she gets accepted there. She's running from something that's happened in her past that you don't know about to begin with. And it follows her. It's split up into three parts. So it follows her for each year of her schooling. And she 
starts to question what they're actually doing okay. at the college. That's say, more or less all yeah, I can okay. say, and pretty much all of it's about. So okay. there's lots of very descriptive things of the mansion that they live in, because the school's in a mansion, obviously. Yeah. Like the wallpaper, the the temperature in each room. There's lo- there's so many descriptions of the food. Okay. Very description <laughs> heavy when it comes to the food. Yeah. So it's like that kind of vibe. Like it really immerses like, you in all of your senses. senses. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I thought it was absolutely okay, fantastic. That sounds good. It was really really good. Strongly recommend. I like those ones. Mm. I've lent it to a friend when mm. I get back. I'll lend it to you actually. The next one is Home Before Dark by Riley Sager. Nope, haven't heard of it. Have you read any Riley Sagers? No. Hmm. He's a horror author that I think, firstly, I thought was a female with the name, but as we all know, I tend yeah. to genderise names differently to everyone else. <laughs> um, but Riley is a male author. Yeah. So he is, I go back and forth. Like Sometimes I say he's a horror author that's a, I love him and he's like almost an auto-buy. But then there's certain books of his that I'm like, that's kind of shit. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I go, yeah, I go okay. back and forth on him. So, whilst Home Before Dark is not my favourite of his, it is a very good book at building atmosphere. What would you say is your favourite out of curiosity? I think it's the one, I can't remember what it's called. Let me double check what it's called. It was the first one of his I read as well. Mm-hmm. I think I've only got like one left that I haven't read of his and then I've read all of his back catalogue. Ooh, check you out. Oh, and then he's had one come out this this year which I haven't read. Okay. Um, so let me just double check what it was called because that was, I really loved it. Uh, Lock Every Door. Okay. So he has really different vibes to them all. So, Lock Every Door is like a woman... I think I might have mentioned it on a previous episode, actually. Or I thought about mentioning it and didn't. (laughs) A woman who... uh, She is, like, skint and really desperate for, you know, something. She hasn't got any family. And I think she has a breakup and she's just like... ah. And she finds an advert to do, like, a house-sitting thing. An apartment-sitting thing in this apartment block in the middle of... New York. Okay. And it's a famous one and she loves she's obsessed with it because she an author she loves wrote a book about it once or something like that. Okay. And she goes there and then there's really strict rules about how she's not allowed to spend the night away from the apartment. She's not allowed to have people visit the apartment. She has to be in at a certain time at night, like a curfew. Okay. All very creepy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then he has one called like Final Girls, which is about a group of women who were the final girl in a crime that happened. Okay. You know, like, they refer to it in films, but this is, like, supposed to be real-life final girls. Okay. Um, And it follows one of them, and it's just about how she tries to, like, ignore what happened to her. She was... Her and her friends, when they were at school, I think, in high school, went away for a weekend, and they all got butchered except her. Oh, and it's okay. about her trying Survival to deal skill. with yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And there's a little bit more to it. Then there's The Last Time I Lied, which is the one I haven't read. Then Home for Dark, and then this year he had to come out, Survive the Night. 
and survive the night i think might be about i don't actually know what last time i lied is about but survive the night i think might be about like a purge-esque thing okay. but i'm not 100 percent sure on okay. that i could be making it up from the they title they all sound very good sound intense yeah. though so home for dark which is the one i was mentioning yep the original <laughs> one we were talking about. Just Governor O'Reilly, so good. Tangent. So Home for Dark, which is another one I actually own. I've lent it to someone, but I can lend it to you. Okay. Delegate back if you're interested. I lent out a load of uh, spooky books to someone for October. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Home Before Dark, it's actually got really good uh, Haunting of Hill House vibes from the TV show. Okay. So it's about, it, it flicks between chapters. So it's set in two different times. So it's about a lady who had, she's had a horrible something happen in the past to do with a haunting. Okay. And it was famous and her dad wrote a book about it. Right. And she kind of doesn't really have much to do with either of her parents because of it all. Okay. As an adult. So this happened, the book was written when she was a kid? When she was about eight years old, Okay, gotcha. So her dad dies and she inherits the house that this haunting happened in that she yeah. didn't know her dad still owned. So she decides to go there. Uh, she's like an interior designer. So she decides to go there, fix it up and flip it. Yep. And she thinks while she's there, she might investigate a little bit of what it was because she only has vague memories of what happened, but she's read her dad's book. Okay. But she's never believed it. Yeah. And she's always thought that her dad was a liar. Yeah. And made it up to sell books because he wanted to be an author. Okay. So it flicks between, it has a chapter of her in present time and then it has a chapter from his book and it flicks like that. Oh, all the way I through. like it's ones really, like that, really yeah. Good. Yeah. Where you get like a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And bit by bit. So yeah. it'll be like in the book, they'll talk about like, I don't know, a haunted record player and then she'll, and then it'll go to her when she's tidying out an office and finds the record player. So like, okay, things like yeah. that, yeah. So you can't really talk much about it without giving anything away. But yeah, it's, it is really good. I was disappointed by the ending. Okay. Because it wouldn't, it would just wasn't what I wanted, but I think it was a good book. I wouldn't it say g- it was one of his best. Okay, was it a good ending, even though you didn't get the ending you wanted, or was it like, yes, yeah? A I good think ending it, objectively, for the story, I think yeah. it was a good ending. Yeah. yeah, I was just disappointed. And when I read it, I'd read a lot of kind of thrillers at the same time, and I think I was just a bit burnt out and was able yeah. to guess the endings on a lot of things. At the same time, I read like. The Guest List by Lucy Foley and One by One by Ruth Ware. And both of them are so disappointed with the ending. And I was like, but is it the ending or is it that I'm just burnt out from thrillers? Yeah, like just too much yeah. high intensity And I haven't reading. really read any more thrillers since then. Because yeah. I had a big thriller binge and I just got so sick of them all kind of following a... Yeah, well, most, yeah. Yeah, like I don't, I hate it when, I'm not saying that this book has it, but I hate it when the twist is something that has not been alluded to at any point, and I'm like, no. You're supposed to be able to at least have yeah. an inkling of the twist. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to go back through and notice things you yeah. missed. Like, I don't ever have a problem with guessing the ending in a book if it's been presented to me. Yeah. If I've worked it out, that's fine. Well, it means the author's done clues yeah. instead of just, like, chucking in a thing at left field. And I think that's the issue with a lot of thrillers. Yeah. And it's also why I don't tend to like modern thrillers that have the... What's the term you used earlier with the, the narrator that you can't trust? Uh, yeah, unreliable yeah. narrator, yeah. Because d- I'm just like, that's just a way of... So they can just chuck any crap they want in and be yeah. like, well... They're not reliable. Yeah, and I'm like, well, but you should be able to have a certain level of trust with the narrator of your book. 
even if you're just using, even if like what they're consciously narrating doesn't include the clues, it can just be something to do with their senses, a recurring object, like there's lots of ways to, to do it that don't, that aren't explicit, but at least like clue you in. Yeah, like I don't think it's good writing when you throw something in there to just make shock the factor. reader feel stupid or whatever. Yeah, like, like just going no. for the shock factor. Yeah. When it... I, I think that was how I felt with the girl in the window or the woman in the window. I don't know if you've read that one. Mm, no. But I remember I was just a bit like, ah, uh, I feel like... <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah, just like deflated by it. Yeah, yeah. I think it is a good book. Okay, I wouldn't have mentioned it otherwise. Me, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so if you're interested, that's another one I can lend you. Okay, the next one is Night Film by Marissa Pessel. Right, and it is one of my top top books now. Okay, and it was another one I read last year. Strong start. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it is about a man. I'm going to say it's called Michael. That'll do. And um, he, <laughs> he he's is... called like Henry or something. <laughs> he's actually a woman. <laughs> this is actually one that. So I do actually have a section called mixed media later on, and this one could have easily gone into mixed okay. media, but I put it in atmosphere. This is following Michael, <laughs> and he. Um, He's an investigative journalist, which is always a good start, I think. And he is obsessed with a director who is very, like, aloof. And he he doesn't make films anymore, but he used to make films that were, like, cult horror films. Okay. To the point, and they were, like, the kind of horror films that, you know, when, like... I don't really know if it happens in real life, but it happens in TV shows and books all the time, where people are always, like... Was it real? Did these people actually die and stuff like that? Yeah, oh, yeah. that does happen in real life. Like some of like the Blair Witch Project, like they actually thought it was real and stuff, and that was how it was marketed. Yeah. Um, and there was one that was called like Cannibal Holocaust or something like that. And okay, he, the director actually got taken to uh, to court over it, and he had to bring in the actors to prove that it it wasn't a snuff film. It was like, oh, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, so it's kind of like that. Like he makes these really creepy horror films and they have serious cult followings. He didn't bring out many of them and no one knows anything about the director apart from his name, okay. really. Like he's very... So kind of like like the creepypasta kind of like... Yeah, the I internet, guess so, but yeah. But in movies. Yeah, yeah, so like the movies are more like you would have a friend pass them on to you. Yeah, okay. Like that kind of vibe. Yeah. And this investigative journalist is really... Like he's a, quite a big fan but he's also like had a past issue with it. So my, if I remember correctly, he wrote an article about the director and about how the director was like not evil, but was potentially a, a bad person. Yeah. yeah, and he, I think his career actually ended because of that article. Okay. Um. So he's always had a slight obsession, fascination with this guy, and so this director he, the only things people really know about him is like where he's from and that he has a wife and a daughter okay maybe there's more than one daughter maybe there's more children but the main focus is the daughter so nothing's really been heard about this director for like 10 years or something okay. and then the daughter turns up on like social media and then she dies and it's 
like did she kill herself did her dad kill her okay. like this kind of thing so then michael uh, <laughs> gets pulled into it like investigating okay because he wants to prove that this guy's a bad guy yeah basically yeah. that is his whole thing he's very tunneled on what he wants to prove he's not like when when we say he's an investigative journalist he's not doing much like not impartial yeah not in this not in this sense so it's really good because he goes down like this absolute rabbit hole where he like investigates like whether there could have been a curse or voodoo involved and everything like that yeah yeah it goes like crazy yeah but it it doesn't feel crazy when you're reading a book because you are so like this makes perfect sense yeah. right now yeah like you're following it with him and every every angle he goes down is perfect and he he also describes the film slightly and i want a separate book for each film okay because they sound crazy and amazing and then like just like the last third of the book is just so good okay so so good and i can't talk about it because it's too even hinting at it would be quite spoilery yeah it's so good and it like it really even when it all wraps up and the book ends it still like clung to me a little bit after and like even now i still satisfying ending that wraps up it's there's a, a lot of mystery at the end of it. Not... It, it depends on how you read it, really. Okay. So, like, it's kind of one of those endings you can accept the ending and it is what it is. Or you could be, like, he's crazy. Or you could be, like, yeah. someone else is crazy. Like, that kind of okay. vibe. So it is kind of ambiguous if you want it to be. Okay. Yeah. All right. But the last gotcha. third is just... It's batshit crazy, but in a really good way. And so, so full of atmosphere. Keep you up to like 5am kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not put it down. It's a big old book. It's that night film one there. Oh, It's wow, a chunky okay. book. Yeah. Oh, so when I said it was mixed media, it has Dürer in it. And it actually works really well as an audio book as well, because I listened to a little bit on audio. But throughout it, it has the websites and like the oh, newspaper I articles like ones related. That, yeah. Like a book that's been written about it and Ooh, they do yeah. it does work well on the audio but if you can read it as a physical one it's much better because you can see all like the mixed media and stuff but because it's got all of the articles that he's reading and the books he's looking into you get so you're you're like in the ride for with him like, yeah like thing. like when you've got like the youtube like black hole of youtube it's like yeah it's, it's like, like a that, book but... of that like yeah that feeling black hole of YouTube. yeah yeah when you end up on something you're like how the hell did I end up I'm watching here a cat at four video in the morning? And now I'm watching like a nuclear bomb like yeah, series. Yeah. And I'm really into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm here for it. It's it's that vibe okay. in the book. Okay. And maybe yeah, you're I a like, little bit drunk really when you were doing it. Like writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so strongly recommend. I don't know if she's written anything else, but she damn well should. And um, when it came out, there's like bits in it that you could scan. Okay. Um, and it was like on a website, it had sound bites. <gasps> But that website isn't there anymore, but you can Google it and someone has archived them. So you can oh, still... That's so, so like, cool. they talk about how um, the daughter was a singer or something and you can actually listen to one of the so- songs that that's... she sung. So you can... Re- it's oh, I, sh- I love stuff like that. It, I should have put it in mixed media, to be fair, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah, really it's clever. It's really, really good. I strongly recommend. Good marketing. And, and it definitely <laughs> sticks with you. Like, I've, I read that last year... And even now, I still sometimes think about it, or think about parts of it. Yeah. So yeah, recommend. 
That's good. Right. Sounds good. Next one. <laughs> short stories. Okay. So I've got two short story collections that I think people should read. Okay. So the first one is, and I've definitely mentioned this on the podcast before, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Yes, you have. Yeah, I said, I think I mentioned it when I was talking about like retellings and she does a few, some of these are kind of retellings. Okay. So this is a horror fantasy sci-fi mix hybrid short story collection. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. It's all about feminism, femininity and how society views women's bodies and feels they have a right to women's bodies wrapped up in horror Who short knew stories our earlier tangent would be re- related <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> it's all cycles. It it's just so so good like each it's hard to talk about short story collections and obviously each one is very different from each other but they all actually work as a collection okay just yeah so so good I can't really say much to be honest, except they're really good. So it's just does kind really of like well. the kind of dystopian elements of it that make it horror-y. Some of them have like they all have really different vibes. Okay. But they all work well together because they have the common thing of women's bodies. And the horrifying reality that this is all true. Yeah. <laughs> so like, do you know the green ribbon folk story thing? No. So the first one is a retelling of that, which I think just basically follows the pr- the plot of the original one, but with a few more okay. bits added into it because it's it's like just like a little folk story before. So it's about a woman or a man who meets a a young woman, and she has this green ribbon around her neck, and she always wears it, and he always wants to know where it is, and she's like, no, it's none of your business. You can't touch it. They get married, have children, I think. And yeah. you know they build a life together, but he is forever obsessed with this green ribbon around yeah. her neck that she never takes off. And if I remember correctly, I think when she's asleep one night, he removes it, like undoes it to see what it is. Yeah, and her head falls off. I think I have heard yeah. this. Yeah. And obviously, when you hear that, you're just like, "Oh, cool story." But then she delves into it, and she's like, "He did not respect her." wishes to not touch her body and yeah you know it like yeah, yeah, yeah. she really draws the feminism out of it all and it's okay. just yeah it's just fantastic and like some they're all very approached differently so like ones that is written like a um it's like a script for a tv show okay so it's interesting yeah all different kind of sounds like so like i think i talked about this before but like angela carter where she did retellings Feminist retellings of like fairy tales. Oh, maybe I don't think I've got um, anything by her. But hers get really like, are very much like about blood and like periods and that's. I mean, she's obviously an aspect of femininity. Yeah. But you know, like that seventies feminism that goes straight for like the vagina and yeah. period <laughs> period aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like when you have edgy female comedians from the eighties and nineties, and that's all they do is make yeah. vagina jokes and yeah. all that, like, or maybe just be funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the opposite of the men from that time that everything was homophobia or racism. Yeah, which is obviously why they were doing that kind of comedy. But now when they're still doing it, I'm like, it's new material. Like Like that, um, what's she called? Is she Sarah Mack something? She always just makes jokes about how she's fat and she eats cake. 
and I'm like I sometimes like when she Sarah Millican does do a lot of those kind of things yeah and I was like I think but you're funny with your other things. Can yeah. you just drop that bit, Some of please? her really good observational stuff is really funny. Yeah. And then she seems to fall back on that. I think that's like an insecurity. Yeah, really. and I'm always like... She falls back on those I was really laughing at you until that, and now I'm like, oh, I've mm-hmm. heard it before. And it wasn't funny at any point, really. Yeah, it's like um, Joe Brand can, like, really oh, good yeah. observational humour, and then you'll see her stand-up, and all it is is, like, that's the one it's like feminist vagina jokes yeah yeah and i'm like mm, like you were literally a psychiatric nurse you've been talking about feminism since the 70s like you have more things to say yeah yeah than don't this. boil it down to <laughs> yeah yeah and i've seen her in like where she's a presenting and she's like she's interesting she's funny and i'm like you don't need to like your stand-up doesn't reflect yeah you as a how person smart you are funny, and funny yeah, yeah. So is that, but that's... I don't, other people might have a different interpretation of Angela Carter, but... But yeah, there's like... I just remember there's one story that, like, a woman... is set in, like, a dystopian world. Yeah. And, like, the world is basically come to an end or whatever. And it follows a woman who is actually just going about, like, trying to live during this yeah. world or whatever. But all she cares about is she's counting the amount of people she slept with. <laughs> and that's like, oh, she's doing just counting the people. Yeah. And I, I just love that. It's like, yeah, whatever, don't care. The world's ended. <laughs> Days till the world ends. I slept 14. with four men and three women or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, and then the other short story collection is called Things We Lost in the Fire by Mariana Enriquez. Translator Megan McDowell, McDowell, something like that. Okay. Um, and this is, I believe she's Argentinian. So it's all about how women are treated in society there. And she turns it, I was going to say she turns it into horror, but it's already kind of quite horrific. Yeah. She just exaggerates it yeah. to make a point. Okay. And yeah, it's a short story collection. And so... Yeah, there's like one one story where women are, it's like a cult, and women are sick of being sexualised, okay. so um, they start killing themselves, and they set themselves on fire, and it becomes, okay. like, a, it becomes like a panic, because all these young women are doing it. Yeah, and okay, like interesting. And it's not just actually about women, it's how just like the downtrodden in their society so there's one about people who are very poor and live in slums in Argentina yeah yeah and like one based around that okay so yeah really interesting very kind of politically charged which in itself can make horror even more horrifying well I mean because it's just it's just like a hair's breadth from reality and that's when it's worse yeah because um a video of Margaret Atwood from who wrote The Handmaid's Tale mm. that was going around where she's like she's like everything that happens in Handmaid's Tale has happened at some point yeah. to women in history. She's like, I have made nothing up. I was like, I put it all together in one narrative, but throughout history, this has all happened. Yeah. And that's just absolutely terrifying to learn because yeah, you're like, like i didn't need is, to make it up this because... is so unrealistic this would never yeah. happen and she's just there like no it has in some way or another happened yeah and you're like oh no 
<laughs> yeah, and like when the abortion thing in Texas got passed, yeah. a lot of people were obviously comparing it to Handmaid's Tale. Women of colour were saying, well... Why is that the only thing you can relate to? Yeah, and also... it's been done to us. We, we're living this every day. Yeah. Like you're running in uproar because now white women are... You know, well, like, yeah, yeah like you people, don't think about that, do well, you? You know, when people used to like literally talk about breeding slaves and like that, that's people, yeah. So, yeah, and it's, it's just, just like, okay, but you can relate to the narrative about, I guess, what is white women, yeah, essentially. Like, but know. like her, her examples, they're not in she, the past, <laughs> like, yeah, and she also. Margaret Atwood did draw from experiences worldwide. Mm, so although the, yeah. the characters in the story are mostly white women, well, there is a thing about in the book. It does say that the women of color were sent off to that. Whatever. Oh, okay. It, it is mentioned very soon in the book. Oh, okay, interesting. So that's something they kind of gloss over in mm. the series. I haven't got very far in the series. In the series, they have a little bit of a mixed cast yeah but they not do much not massively but they need to sort of i really like rory gilmore's character yes i binged it i think i watched about two seasons and i needed a break and i've never come back to it me and my mum were watching it together on day um evenings when my dad was on nights yeah but it's very intense you have to watch yeah. like a whole bunch and we were staying up way too late to watch it and then Real life got a bit more stressful. Yeah. And and a bit more anime tale I guess. <laughs> well, no, like, just within yeah, the family no, as well, yeah. like, for, for my mum, because we're watching it together, I don't, I would happily go and binge them and just, like, be a bit self-destructive for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but because I was watching them with her, I can't now go and finish it. We haven't seen season three yet. Yeah, I haven't seen three on my... But I just, the minute, the mo- <laughs> my my brother actually came downstairs to check on us because you know the moment where june refuses to go in the bit where she gives rory's character i mm-hmm. can't give it but yeah with, yeah yeah and sends her on mm. and then june doesn't go and we were just screaming at the yeah, tv yeah. get in the car june like, get in the car june june get in the car like literally screaming but then if she did the season would have ended <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm so excited for what the clips I've seen of the the trial. I've not seen any clips. I've just been told it I've gets a little bit, bit worse. I've seen a few spoilers oh. for the season four, but I haven't even season three yet. No. But the clips I've seen of like when Thingy goes on trial, the commander, mm. and I'm just like, oh, I can't. I'm yeah. really excited to watch it, but I've just got to do it. I'm, I started watching it with my mum, so now I've got to do it at her pace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I refuse to watch stuff with people now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so that's but that's what it reminds me of, is that, that thing of when you learn it's all true. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> just, right. It's just so close to reality. And even the things you see happening in America, when in hand the series i've read the books but like when she they do the flashbacks to how this started yeah those the things that the started the handmaid's tale like world are happening in mm. in america they're actually happening you know but she's like, like even here which i you know and until recently i thought at least we were i used to always think at least we're better than america and even yeah. recently i'm like no 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 i think for us, I mean, we have access to a lot more. 
healthcare yeah. services that Americans don't yeah, have standard. Yeah, yeah. However, it's I think there's more medical neglect from doctors just not believing women. Mm-hmm. And I think that's and that's now the, thing. the fact that I mean, obviously for other countries, this has been a fact for a very long time. I'm just talking from my British experience, mm. but the fact that now we can't trust the police and oh, the police do not care yeah. to fix that. You know, it's yeah. that kind of stuff that, you know, if, if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the Sarah Everard case. Um, it's, it's just... I just, it's just that, the, you know, he's in a group WhatsApp where they're talking about rape and things like that. And his nickname. His nickname is, is the, the rapist because he's known for making women uncomfortable. What's the chances he has never, as a copper, had to deal with a sexual assault victim as well? Yeah. Like, I just... Who he's then made uncomfortable. And that's when Pete, when they come out and say it's just a bad apple, I'm like, well, no, because that was his nickname. That means there was many, many people many that should have about this. alerted or raised a flag about yeah. it. Yeah. And that's where it becomes, just like, close a and... systemic issue. Yeah. Honestly, like, I always... I think there was a friend of mine who's, like, not particularly feminist. I was like, if you're not continuously angry as a woman, you're not paying attention. Yeah. Like, you are not paying attention. If you... And I just don't understand people who say they're not a feminist, because I'm like, you don't care for people's human rights. I just can't comprehend how you don't. So there was a guy somewhere I used to work who used to make jokes about me being a feminazi all the time, and I'm like, no. That was a term that was coined to villainise feminists. Also, it is a certain type of feminist who yeah, does now fit it into is. that yeah. category. And I was like, okay, Jack, uh, um, this is Jack from CEX, I don't know, if you're, you're probably not a listener. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right, Jack, I was like, I'm just giving you some statistics about men's health that I know that I care about. Because it's about equality. And you don't and care I, about problems. And I was like, did you know this? And I was like, reeling them off, like, men are more likely to die in the workplace. They're more likely to die from a workplace injury. Mm. Like, and, like, this and that, and the statistics around suicide, and we all know. And he was just there, like, all right. And I was like, so, he was like, why is it not called equality then? I was like, because one of us is lesser than. Yeah. And that's why it's about the feminist aspect. And like yes, there are there are repercussions for you as being the more than in this equation, but it becomes about keeping equality and maintaining equality when we actually have it. Yeah. Um. And he was, and he was like, oh, okay, no one's ever explained it to me like that before. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yeah. my work at that job, like the rants I had at them, like three of them changed their Brexit vote because of me. <laughs> I wish I'd got through to more people. The Not they would have mattered. Like but... there was one colleague who used to read the Daily Mail. This is a complete tangent, but. Um, he used to read the Daily Mail during work and I used to stand behind him and point out the spelling errors and oh, the grammar mistakes. Brilliant. And he's like, you're ruining this. So I was like, stop Good. reading trash yeah. news. He's like, I was like, read this for the puff pieces about celebrities, don't care. Like, you want to get actual news, please go. I mean, none of them are perfect, no. to be honest, in the UK. Don't go, very to, don't go to a newspaper. <laughs> um, they're all, all the news sites are biased, mm. but I was like, just... Just, and I was, honestly, I was behind him pointing out all the mistakes. And he was like, can you just stop? I was like, read something else. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no such thing as, like, news that isn't... Doesn't have an agenda behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Especially when they're all owned by one guy. Yeah. And he also funds the Tories, so... Yeah. But this is getting a bit too political. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm not even going to go into I it. mean, I mean, if you're also, if you're offended by any of these opinions, 
See you later, pal. Yeah, sorry, dude. <laughs> We're not for you. You're probably not going to like any of the books we talk about anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Check out the link tree in our Instagram bio for our blogs, TikToks, and our own Instagrams.